My name is Gunner, and I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. I created this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, artists, and true lovers of music to talk about their top five records that have inspired their lives and musical prowess. We have a great episode today. Uh, Joe James. Um, he is, he's worked with and performed with some of the industry's top acts and has also received the honor award at the 100% Music Songwriting Contest. You may have seen him or heard him uh, featured on season 17 of The Voice. John Legend said, great raw talent and his voice is lovely to listen to. Blake Shelton said, I love Joe's, Joe's voice. Once we started talking about Rumors, the Fleetwood Mac album that he chose, uh, it started raining. You can hear it. And my dog was outside trying to get in. Um, maybe someday I'll get a better studio with better soundproofing. Um, I've had a lot of questions. Will there be quizzes on every episode? I say, heck yeah, there will be. That's all I need to say. They are purely to make the show fun and full of smiles and laughs. Nothing more. And if you're digging on what we're laying down, please give us a review on iTunes. You can find my top five records pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, but if you were to give a star for each one of your top five records on the Apple iTunes platform, that's five stars, be super appreciated. Let's get to the conversation. But first, close your eyes. You're in the afterlife. What five records do you have? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, welcome to another episode of the My Top Five Records podcast. Today we've got Joe James in the house. All right, I'm in the house, dude. Joe is in the house. He's in here. Um, So we're going to ask, I've got your records here as Abbey Road by the Beatles, Imagine Mm -hmm. John Lennon, Mm -hmm. Are You Experienced by Jimi Hendrix, we'll talk about that, That Um, Rumors by Fleetwood Mac, come on, dude. You're the only person that's picked a Fleetwood Mac and I- Really? Yeah. That's wild, And man. Unclassified by Robert Randolph, Family Band. Mm-hmm. Thank you for picking that one. Before we get started, though, I do want to ask you a question. Okay. Where are you taking these records? Uh, I'm going to take them into the afterlife, dude. Yeah. Yeah, so I can listen to them forever. There you go. I love it. Um, afterlife. Afterlife. Let's start off with the Abbey Road Beatles album. But then, again, in the afterlife, there's there's no rules. So, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You can do whatever you, you want can do in the afterlife. Want, yeah. yeah, that's what everybody does, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, before we talk about uh-huh. Abbey Road, um, I want to tell you what I believe. Okay. I believe you're either Beatles or Stones. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that if you're Beatles, you're either Lennon or McCartney. Who are you? Lennon. Well, yeah. I, c- I could have told you that. Yeah. You picked, you picked Imagine. Yeah, so yeah. Exactly. You had to have been that. I didn't know because I, I was looking at your Instagram and I saw you do a, I saw you do Here Comes the Sun. Yeah. And so I didn't know if you were going to pick George because one person did tell me that one time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I think this kind of, it comes from from my dad because he was he was a a huge he's he is a huge Beatles fan. His favorite Beatle was John Lennon as well. I just love the like the realness of 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 his lyrics and his writing. I felt like Paul was. Even though his songs are great, we're a bit on the poppy side. And Lennon was like, you know, I'm I'm gonna write about Paul guy for sure. When real stuff. Beatles. Do you? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I love his stuff too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I'm I'm really glad that you picked this album because I don't appreciate the Beatles enough. I really don't. I don't ever really listen to them. But when I go yeah. in there and I, I I watch the Get Back documentary again, which is fantastic, in, yeah. insanely good. But it kind of, you know, I always want to be in the a fly on the wall mm-hmm. to see how they came up with all these like do do do's and what, who does what where and where they come up all the, and, and I got a little little of that when I watched that documentary. Yeah, because, same. Because you saw John Lennon just barking out weird things, and, and I was like, oh, that's where they get all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I just think it's so creative, and you know, it was their eleventh studio album. It was released in 1969. And I'm going to jump right in with a quiz question for you. You ready for oh, this? Oh, crap, dude. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is right. fun. Yeah, yeah. This is not meant to be <clears throat> uh, stressful. Abbey Road was the last album released by the Beatles. True or false? That's uh, released false because they released it at B, but it was the last album recorded by the Beatles. Or the last album they recorded. They put Let It Be on the shelf. And then release Let It Be right after. All right. So, yeah. So, what happened was that they had started some recordings after the Get Back sessions, the mm-hmm. Let It Be sessions, whatever we want to call it. And Abbey Road was released before they could get the 
the the Let It Be sessions out. And so it was basically, in essence, it was the uh, the group started recording a new album before they released the previous yeah. one. Yeah. Um, it topped the charts of both U.S. and England, which was cool. And I love how the cover. Let's talk about the cover. The cover is just awesome. iconic, dude. I love that cover. I mean, and I love the 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 mystique, like the you know the the fans thinking that you know going on with the whole Paul is dead thing. You know, it's like you know he he doesn't have shoes on, and this was twenty eight if and <laughs> like even that. I mean, the Beatles. I wonder if they. I, I, I wonder if they planned all of that though too. They say they didn't, right? Of course they but, did. But yeah, of course they did, right? Like it's gonna sell albums, it's gonna get everyone all hyped up. But like, ha- I don't think they planned the twenty eight F. So it, it yeah, was yeah. actually twenty eight one F was the license yeah. plate number. But the walking on the street with he's the only one walking differently with the shoes off and like you know the whole deal, eyes closed. Twenty five, twenty eight F. He was actually twenty seven, which right. makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, Those fans are weird. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even really promote this album, and it sold 4 million copies in the first some odd months. Screw them, dude. Right. And, you know, like, on the end, that that song, uh, George was like, hey, listen, we should do a guitar solo, and we should do it this way, and ends up what they did is they took, like, the the solo that was, like, 18 bars. Um, I think that uh, McCartney did the first two bars. Next two bars was... um, was Lennon and then or McCartney, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and then they they repeated that again. Yeah, that's cool. And and then I read, which is I, I think is funny, and we're, we're gonna, we'll talk about Yoko here in just a second. But Yoko got in a car wreck and with John, and the doctor told her to stay in bed, that she had to stay in bed. And so John went out and got a bed and moved it in the studio so that she could uh, observe the recording. He freaking loved her, dude. It's so much. I mean, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't think I. I don't think I'd do that either. You know, be like, you stay out of here. I, I wonder if she's the boss. Well, that's a Mick Jagger line, you know. So it probably, yeah. I mean, I, w- I would think so. But, geez, I mean, Lennon and his personality. Like, she would have to be the boss. Like, she just came in and knocked him right off of his, his feet. Like, to come in there with a have a bed in there because she's such an awesome singer. No, oh, yeah, she's a killer singer, dude. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> All right, so if you're going to put two things in a blender, I'm going to say <laughs> a yodel and a Grateful Dead shriek. Oh, God. And and you put it in a blender and you get Yoko Ono? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. It's so terrible. I was I went back and listened to to uh, the Plastic Ono band, and it was, it's just really her singing. And I guess John must have arranged the music, but it's the most—it's the worst thing I've ever heard. Well, don't be back bashing your heroes like that. Uh, well, <laughs> he should have sang. Quiz question: What member of the band vocalized his dislike of this record? Was it A. John Lennon, B. Paul McCartney, or C. George Harrison? It was John Lennon. You're nailing him, dude. I know, dude. You're nailing him. This is awesome. Which bums me out because he's my favorite Beatle. And it's my favorite album. I, again, what I said, you know, you're the Beatles or Stones or you're the John or Paul. Uh, Lennon a- actually, he he said uh, that he, as a whole, he felt that the, that the album lacked authenticity, calling McCartney's contribution music for grannies to dig and not real songs and describing the medley as junk bits, just bits of songs thrown together. Th- thrown together. Yes. Th- um, shoot. Uh I don't agree with all of that, but I will say Maxwell Silverhammer, definitely a granny song. A little bit goofy, right? Yeah. Bang, uh, bang, Max. Yeah, totally. Dink. With, with, yeah, with a, with a hammer. <laughs> on <laughs> so, an anvil. It's so cheesy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Edward of the Rolling Stones called the album complicated instead of complex and felt that the Moog synthesizer, which I love on this album, mm-hmm. Um, disembodies and artificializes the band's sound, adding that they create a sound that could not possibly exist outside of the studio. Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, they did a lot of things that that really couldn't exist outside of the studio unless you hire like a million people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, look at Sgt. Pepper and look at all the things they did on that. So, yeah, I guess I could see where he's coming from. But then again, they they were a studio band. Like they, that's all they did. 
this was studio yeah. studio stuff and they did things that were weird inside of the studio because they knew they weren't going to go out of the studio and perform it and all those like on, on the get back documentary which i thought was fantastic yeah loved it um you know you hear john i mean i i, I always you know i'm curious yeah but how it come but I, but i can see it now um I do love the mood on there, you know, and I love it on, I do too. you know, yeah. on, and that's just them being experimental. You know, George Harrison brought it in said, Hey, look what I got. And then they all started messing with it and they played it on each of them played some part of it. Yeah. And whatever was keeping them inspired. I just had a conversation with somebody about that. Like that's where I'm at. And, and I'm just doing things to, to keep me yeah, inspired to play, you know, you know, you don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. No. I mean, there's a there's a ton of bands. I mean, Wilco's a, a perfect example. If you want to see, those are my top five records right there. So. Oh yeah. Heck yeah, those are great ones. Yeah. So I mean, Shotgun Willie. I remember dancing around in my underwear, laughing. <laughs> He's in underwear. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. I, you know. But Wilco is. I mean, that was their like their their initial album. They come out. I believe that they basically started alt rock. Mm. Not really, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. but it came from Uncle Tupelo, I, I think, or maybe Jason and Scorchers. But you know that that was cool. for me, and I have a whole story behind it, so I won't bore you with it. But it, you know that, that that's the reason I picked that up. But they they basically they did like two albums that were re I thought that were just epic, and then they yeah. came out with Summer Teeth. I think that was a great album, and then they started getting really experimental and j trying to change what they did. Mm. And that's kind of what I feel you know a lot of artists do, and sometimes it turns people off. Like now, what Wilco's putting out, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan. Yeah, I mean, I, there, it, there's a line, right? There, there's a line that you can you can cross, and I think you never should cross, like especially for fans' sake. Like, you know, you can get, you should get experimental, and you should uh, be able to to keep inspiring yourself. But then there there comes a time where if you like, if you're just going off into some weird world, like at that point, like you know, yeah. What's happening, or what drugs are you on, really? <laughs> uh, John Mendelson of uh, the Rolling Stone called it breathtakingly recorded and praised side two, especially equating it the whole, equating it to the whole Sergeant Pepper, stating that the Beatles can unify seemingly countless musical fragments and doodle, lyrical doodlings into uniform wonderful, uh, to a uniformly wonderful suite. It seems potent testimony that no, they far from lost it, and no, they haven't stopped trying. I agree, man. And like, come together. That's one for me. I remember asking my dad, like, "Hey, what what is uh, what is that song about?" And yeah. he was like, "I don't think it's about anything." And he's like, "He's just like writing stuff, weird stuff down." And then it's like, what it was a number one, right? Yeah, I think yeah. So. Like you can write just weird lyrics that mean nothing, and it goes to number one. That just shows how brilliant they were with 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 putting words and melodies and, 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 and chord structures together, you know, it's a testament of, of yeah, how I mean, great they were. I mean, I've always heard that whenever they got together, they always kicked out something. Yeah, that's you know? freaking awesome. All right, let's move on to John Lennon. Clearly your fav favorite Beatle. Oh, yeah. If you're going to pick his record, then that's got to be it. Mm -hmm. um, I want to start out with a question for you. Okay. Top three songwriting duos. I'm, I know that you're going to pick Paul and John. Yeah. I'm going to pick Mick and Keith. That's a good one. Um, uh, Stevie and, and, and Lindsay Buckingham. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good one. That's uh, a good one, but that Fleetwood Mac was not Yeah, all those two. You know, it was, yeah, it was, it was it, they started it as a duo, though, and they had some cool songs. They did. Yeah, they did. Um, who else? Um, uh, the the Robinson Brothers, Black Crows, that's a great one. That I love love their stuff, uh, and I love Chris's, or Rich's um, riffs and and like writing music writing abilities, and then in in uh, Chris's melodies and lyrics, like they were just a, a great pair. It's vocal, it's vocal. The, yeah, he, he has one of like uh, such a top ten vocal vocal you know. man. Like it's. We we went and saw them on their their reunion tour, which is funny because I used to watch like videos of, of them. It's basically just the two of them. Yeah, there's no, no one else. Yeah, uh, but I I was watching videos of Chris. I was like saying, 
like yeah when pigs fly basically <laughs> like yeah we're never going to get back together like he was the talking brothers, about come on he was talking about uh the guitarist from the doors what's his name um uh, not Raymond Zarek Robbie Krieger yeah yeah came up to him and was like you guys will get back together and then like <laughs> Rich was uh, Chris Robinson was like, "You don't know me very well," but he said it kind of arrogantly and on a uh, on an interview. Yeah, well. he was, and then they get back together, which I thought was funny. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm also gonna throw in there uh, Bernie Taupin and Elton John mm. and Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones. Yep, that was good. I would say Jimmy Plant and Robert Plant, but I, I don't feel like they they had the same kind of like you know I'm splitting everything. Yeah. But I mean that was a that was a great one too. Yeah. So it was Lennon's uh second album released in nineteen seventy one, critically and commercially a success, peaking at number one on the UK and the US charts. Um, often considered one of his finest solo efforts. Um, on the cover and the back were taken by Ono. It was actually believed that it was Andy Warhol because he was hanging out with him at the time. Mm. But it was just uh, Yoko Ono taking a picture on her Polaroid camera. That's cool. She can't sing, but she can take some photos. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at least we agree on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I and I, I don't feel that this is like. There's not the creativity and the and the 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 stuff that the Beatles did. You know. Yeah. Which I think he didn't want to do that. Uh, the the rawness of the album, I think, it was intentional. Like I don't want to, just want to create another Strawberry Fields, you know? Right. Um, which that's what I loved about it. It was just raw. Uh, you can you could hear the flaws. Like it it just felt it felt real. And I think if if he was gonna release, which I'm calling his actual first, uh, fair al- enough, album fair because enough. like. Plastic Ono band with he didn't even hardly sing in that. It was just a lot of weird avant-garde yodeling. So I don't, I'm not, I'm going to count that as not being his first one. But this one, <laughs> you know, it was of course that's Lennon, raw and real and just to the point. Quiz question number mm-hmm. whatever. Um, which former Beatle was on this record? Was it George Harrison A, B Paul McCartney, or C George Harrison? Dude. You're nailing these. You were all scared and stuff, and you're smiling now. Hey, man, we still have some other records <laughs> that I'm just going to screw up. Uh, George Harrison had an impromptu guitar jam with Lennon, and, asked, and John asked him to play on the record. So that's how that's cool. how, he, how he came about it. Uh, it was also written in a turbulent time between um, McCartney and Lennon. Um, when you listen to How Can You Sleep, mm-hmm. it is just like, it's like... And basically, if you don't think that's about Paul McCartney, then you don't know anything. What are you talking about? I thought that was a, a nice little love letter <laughs> to Paul. It's so sweet. <laughs> or to Yoko. <laughs> or to Yoko, yeah. I thought it was the sweetest love letter to Paul McCartney. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the thing was is that they were going through, like McCartney was going yeah. through the high court trying to di- dissolve their partner, songwriting partnership legally. Uh, and so they were all pissed off at each other. you know. And Dude, then, that song was brutal. Watching the, the Imagine... Um, the behind the scenes making of have you seen I haven't that? seen that okay it's really good I have it somewhere I have it on on VHS somewhere um, but old school I'm yeah so freaking old yeah. uh, the kids these days are like they don't even know what a VHS is uh, yeah like what is this thing what's a DVD what's a DVD yeah, yeah a CD <laughs> what the heck um, no but I remember watching that and his uh, like his aggression towards Paul and how he wanted it raunchy and dirty. Like, he's like, just want it really just it nasty. Really, it really is so much more raw. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, you raw. know, it's yeah. like, I mean, the, you hear the mistakes. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the drummer? Love the drummer. I was, uh, man, I was just listening to it again. Uh, I was on a walk and kind of just going back and, you know, just taking in the, the album, taking in imagine. And, and yeah, I was like, man, this drummer is a pocket drummer. Like even on on uh, uh, a the song Imagine, like he just comes in, he's pocket. Just and I love the drum sound too. It's I, I've always loved that like seventies, late sixties, seventies muted type of yeah yeah, yeah drum yeah. sound. You know, totally. I totally uh, the Motown I totally had a lot of a lot of that too. And like I I love that sound. 
Well, what I and I'm going to go ahead and say I think this is kind of a dick move. Yeah. Um, but in 1971, in an interview McCartney McCartney did with Melody Maker, he spoke very positively about Imagine. You know, he said, you know, it's a little bit less political than Lennon's other stuff. And in a subsequent edition, uh, Lennon comes on and says, so you think it's Imagine ain't political? It's a work it's for a working class here with sugar on it for conservatives like yourself. <laughs> what mean, a jerk! I, I, right, no, yeah. you know, and I mean, Paul says, "Hey, I like this," and then all of a sudden, John comes back yeah. with "fucking I'm a dick." Yeah, that's John, dude. You know, and but I, I gotta admire that he kept it real, man. He, he did, but you know, I kind of see that myself in the sense yeah. that you know when I go out to see shows or uh, whatever, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm always like, "Hey, well, you know, I." I I could maybe do that better or, you know, yeah. maybe rearrange the song. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm starting to try to stop having that little guy on my shoulder, yeah. toss him to the side. And you know, the guy like in animal house that's mm-hmm. on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic movie. Uh, but you know, appreciate the good things that creatives are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and living in the, in the moment of that, cause you'll miss that, you know, being able to, to appreciate someone creating on stage when you're, just criticizing how you, you would have done this or you would, but it's hard to do I can make it better it's know? it's hard as a as a creative and you know you 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 have these ideas as you watch someone who is creative you almost want to jump in and and, yeah. and create with them <laughs> take it take it higher yeah yeah but there's that that thing i've i've started to learn like recently like just go to a show and like just be in the moment listen just just take it in you know, you don't have to to, to criticize not, unless the band sucks. Right. Then you're like, I'm out of here, dude. Uh, I totally hear that. No, but even them, you'll say, you know what? We won't pull a Simon. What's his name from American Idol? Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell. What a jerk. <laughs> yeah, but he was always spot on. He was spot on. Uh, so. Reviewing this for Mojo, uh, John Savage said that the per, uh, preponderance of mid-tempo tracks partially explains the album's popularity among among Brit rock bands. Yet this quality made some of the songs drag. He found the album contains the best and worst of Lennon, the idealist and the rancher, the righteous and the vindictive anger, and such remains more patchy than its iconic status might allow. Mm. Alan Smith um, of NME lauded the album as superb, beautiful, and one step away from the chill of his re- of the of his recent self self revelation, and yet a giant leap towards commerciality without compromise. I like that. I like that one. Um. So Thomas Erwin Erlewine finds the lyrics to be only marginally less confessional than on Lennon's previous album. Were there lyrics on the previous album? I don't even know. I don't think there were. Dude. If Imagine doesn't have the thematic swap of the plastic Ono band, it is it is uh, nevertheless a remarkable collection of songs that Lennon would never be able to better again. Yeah, I agree. But d- like, why do we even consider that plastic Ono band thing, I, dude? <laughs> you love that album. I hate that album. Love. When I was when I was listening back on Imagine, I'm like, God, this is so raw and beautiful, and you know. Uh, I stumbled upon the that one. And I'm like, oh, just, just give me a break, man. This is <laughs> my ears were just it was like a an ice pick. Uh, yeah, so bad. I hear you on that. And then the cover of Two Virgins. No one wants to see your wiener. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love okay. you, John. But come on. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about Unclassified. Robert Ooh, Randolph. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start off and say something here. You get to learn a little something about me. Yeah. In college and for years after, I used to love, I loved Galactic. I loved Modesky, Martin, and Wood, mm. Fish, Leftover Salmon, yeah. Widespread Panic, The Dead. I used to, get, you know, snatching stars out of the sky dances and yeah. Yeah. tossing <laughs> the crystal ball and all that crap. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and I, I got, when I was listening to this, I got, I got really lost in the music. I mean, it nice, was like, good. it was like, you know, the stops, how all the instruments are just like, like, they're like best friends, right? They know yeah. exactly when to come in, mm-hmm. when to come out. And and it's like, it's so epically tight. And if you, I'm, you ever listened to like Soul Live or vinyl? Yeah, or, love Soul Live. Uh, I like the rubber Soul Live, dude. When they did the Beatles. 
I did that. Okay, Dude, they do I need, a, I need a rubber, rubber Soul Live. I went and saw them on that tour at the, um, where was it? The Roxy in uh, on Sunset in uh, California. And me and my my buddy went and uh, a couple of friends, we went and saw them. Rubber Soul Live, that album, it's an instrumental of a bunch of Beatles songs, but in more of a soul R&B. That's all they do, though, is instrumental stuff. Yeah, and it's like, it's the freaking coolest thing. I'll tell you a quick side. Like we'll go off a little go, bit. Go. I, there's a. So we watched the show and we we're like, dude, the show is that was dope. Like they were amazing. The drummer was amazing. Uh, three piece band. Three piece band. And in the ba- and the keys player does the bass. And it's just it sounds like a, a killer bass player. And then you're like, oh, he's doing that with his left hand. Wow, what a jerk. You know what like, I mean? Like how talented are JJ. you? Uh, it's kind of how I feel with Dave Shear. I'm like, what? How'd what? you do that? How what an asshole. That? Why are you so good? You know what I mean? <laughs> but I love him, man. Like, but He's, anyway, yeah, we were we were coming back from the show. We were all in a in piled in this car, going back to my buddy's house, and we were talking about the show, and then we got on to the Beatles, you know. We we're like, Oh man, I love the Beatles. Talking about uh, all their albums. We get to Abbey Road and we're talking about all the songs on Abbey Road. Beautiful we get to something. And we're like, oh man, dude, something. It's a, arranged so beautiful, and the melodies and the lyrics, and George just really hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Like, and one of our friends chimed in, and was like, I actually really hate that song. <laughs> My buddy literally stopped in the middle of sunset, set, got out of his car, opened the door, and was like, Get the hell out of my car. <laughs> but I was like, I feel the same way. Get out of here. But yeah, Rubber Soul Live, you got to check that out. But back uh, to Robert Randolph. I, I definitely will. Um, so it was their debut album. It was released in yeah. 2003. And, it, you know, this is, in my opinion, the definition of Sacred Steel. Nice, yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Blakenhorn was my very first guest on this on this podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. And he chose the greats of Sacred Steel. And so I got to learn a lot about what that is and, and how it came about and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I used to really groove out to this band you know and yeah. I, now going back and listen to it and thank you for for picking this because it, it made me appreciate exactly what they're doing they're yeah. road tested they know exactly what to do and when to do it again yeah. this is you know the, i mean those the, the, those best friend instruments that know exactly when to come in and out yeah man and, and you know what that that it's 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 a lot of the the um the church guys they're just like they were raised in the church yeah they're you know they're a black gospel like church folks yes and they're tight they're so good and they know how to play off of each other and like you said they know the camaraderie between them they know where they're going yep you know and like it, it well there's well, like what th- three or four brothers in the band yeah so it's i mean they're i love that i love that about a lot of my friends the gospel players i'm just like you guys are so damn good i mean i thought i thought do you remember the horde tour um it was like like Blues Traveler and and okay, I always thought that I'd it was kind of that same scene. Yeah, um, but I, I went and looked it up, and they weren't ever on the horde tour. Um, but it it's just like I mean, it, it makes me want to dance. It makes me want to yeah. groove out, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with all those instrumental bands. Yeah, they have like it's they just have a great energy and a great vibe and it's very up, uplifting and that's what i love about it like the the first song you know going in the right direction and uh what's the second one um more love yeah it starts with that bass that cool slapping bass thing dude like they're amazing. listen to this okay yeah. um hold on where is it uh so all music said in one part of it, of their uh, review of this album Yep. says, while, while it's true that Randolph Steele, which is immediately rec- recognizable everywhere here, mm-hmm. is supplanted by the fattest, gnarliest bass this side of Bootsy yeah. Collins, the instrumental attack of the family band is, is in its ability to change the sound of on every virtual track. Mm. Yeah, that's good, man. I, 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 I need reviews like that. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> he also said earlier in the interview, from the studio, the same promise, grit, grease, and sweat that Live in the Wetlands did, that was their first record. Mm-hmm. Randolph pulls out the stops in the studio using his own band without any of the hottest guest stars who he's appeared with in the last two years. Unclassified features a road-tested, studio-savvy band using all of its collected collective gifts. 
uh, with producer Jim Scott to make a record that is as much about soul, funk, hard rock, folk, jam, band intensity mm. as it is about the gospel music that first inspired the unit. Heck yeah. Dude, that's so good. I love these reviews too. I love that you're digging deep in these reviews because yeah, they're yeah, amazing, I man. I, you want to say you want to what else? The, what he said? He said this is multivalent music, full of message of joy, passion, and realization, and is played in such an enlightened manner, so complex, unburdened that by the rigidities of context and category, it exists exists on a plane of its own. Oh yeah, that's the review that's that I re- want right there, dude. Someone give me that review, <laughs> please, please, please. Dude, that's so good, but it's so true. That, that I mean, that just tells you what the album is. Um, I'll tell you a story about the album. Uh, I'd love to hear it. I want to hear every story. Okay. And I want to know why you picked this album. So I grew up in a, a Christian household. Uh, my dad was and still is a pastor. Um, so I grew up in the church. You know, I played drums uh, in the church for 14 years. Um, and I remember... There was this bookstore in Riverside, California, called uh, called Bereans Bookstore. Okay. And so we went. I remember we went in there. Now this time I was I was I was wanting to listen. I was like, Can I get a Houses of the Holy or can I get yeah, like yeah. a, you know, can I get something that's kind of on the the verge of being evil, Dad? You know. And he's like, <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, and so that's like Footloose, right? <laughs> and so we go into this this. this uh, Brian's bookstore and he was like anything pick a CD from this wall you could have anything you know any of these CDs because they're you know Christian and gospel artists and you know and so I'm like ah, these guys are everyone's gonna suck but, all right so I went up there and I'm like looking through that and I'm just bit just, just off of the album cover how old were you and I'm uh maybe I was about 16, 17, okay. somewhere around there. Um, so I go in and I'm like looking and and I'm looking through all these albums. Like this guy looks like a nerd and this guy, like not a chance. <laughs> like this guy's far too white, you know. And, I'll, and, and then I came across Robert Randolph and the family band and I'm like looking at this cover. I'm like, these guys look cool. Yeah. Like, this, it is a cool cover. These guys look cool, man. Like look, look like they're having a good time. I was like, dad, I want this one. And so... That goes to show what album art does for I you. Know, I know. I know. Yeah, exactly. Like, we miss that now. Everything's digital. You, you get it on your phone. They, people don't really... Like, I know for me, when I see an album cover on my phone, I'm not really um, exploring the album cover. Right. You know, I don't really care. I'm just like, play the song, whatever. Um, but yeah, there there was a... There was a an art and, a, and there's beauty in, in that, in like the album cover. So I saw that album cover and uh-huh. I'm like, oh man, unclassified, cool. These guys look dope. I'm going to take this home. I'm going to put it on and hopefully it doesn't suck, you know? And I remember putting it on and then, you know, right away with the, the steel guitar and like the drums, like I can't do that. you're like, what is this music? You know? And, then they go into going in the right direction, which is just like, I wanted to get up and dance around my room, you know, cause I'm going in the right. I'm like, dude, this is like, what is this music? And then next thing you know, the bass slapping thing on, on more love. I'm like, get what, who, where have these guys been all my freaking right. life? And so that was the, the moment I actually started falling in love with more blues, gospel, soul, uh, like R and B, like, like jam stuff. Like yeah. I was like, okay, this music's cool, you know, um, which I never really got into it. Cause we were like Beatles. My dad loves Beatles stones and mom was Motown and, and all this stuff. But I've never heard any, I never heard anything like that. And so that was the first time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, these guys are dope. I have another story about them too. Well, I would love to hear it. Okay. So, uh, I was playing years ago, uh, when I first moved to Texas, I, I joined this band called the, the dirty good. And I was the lead singer of this band, uh, lead singer played a little guitar. <clears throat> and I remember, uh, my buddy and, but I love the, this is one of my favorite albums. So, uh, but I, I kind of fell out of listening to Robert Randolph, you know, I wasn't, right. you know, the, and so there's a lot of other music to listen to. Yeah, there's a bunch of music out there. And so the guy who's booking was like, "Hey, uh, 
there's something happening at the AGB center. It's like this no love fest thing. Uh, and they want you guys to be a part of, um, of like a, a special VIP event that they're putting on before the show. Dr. John was there. Leon Russell was there. Like, sounds like a terrible show. Yeah, it was just terrible. So terrible. Uh, but so there's these guys and they were like, Oh, and you guys are going to back Robert Randolph. Wow. And for this little VIP thing. And I was like, and then I'm like, Oh, Robert Randolph, like what? And then it turned me back on to Robert Randolph and we got to back him. We got to play, uh, a couple songs with him. We did like Voodoo Child, and then we did one of his songs, and like it was awesome. I'll show you some some photos of that. Heck but yeah, it was I did. I totally. Was that's so that's cool. really cool. It was really cool, and we got to hang with him. He wanted the, us to come back to his uh, dressing room before we we played because he we were just we were just gonna walk up on the stage or VIP <laughs> thing, and like and so he was like, come back there, and he had some like. I think some gray goose or something back there. And he's just hanging. He was super tall, big dude. And just the nicest, you know, an attitude guy. Yeah. He, I, mean, when I, I think I've seen him play before, but I just remember him having like this he has, crazy attitude. Yeah. On, on stage, a lot of attitude off stage. The nicest guy, like, like just like super, like you guys want something to drink? Like, yeah. Like sit down. Like, let's, let's talk about this or whatever. Let's talk about the, what we're gonna do the arrangement here? Or what, what key you guys want to do it in? Or, like, what key do you want to do it in? <laughs> You're Robert Randolph. Play whatever you want. Uh, but no, he was really cool, and that was like, that was one of the highlights. And then, of course, that was kind of opening for, you know, Leon Russell and like Doctor yeah. John. They went on like later that evening, and I was it's just who's crazy. this Leon Russell guy? You know, just kidding. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, I'm yeah. out of here, dude. I'm, no, no, <laughs> he's, one my, he's one of my songwriting heroes, dude. Yeah, JJ oh, Kale. Man. all the stuff he did with Joe Cocker, like, mm-hmm. has on record label. Actually, he had Freddie King on his record label. Oh, he did. Yeah, what was it, Shelter? Oh man, yeah. that's cool. Freddie, yeah. you need to. I know we talked about this, but you need to look into Freddie King. He is start with Burglar, maybe okay. then Texas Cannonball, and then you can go deep into his his arsenal, which is when he was really young. I mean, he died at like forty. Oh, man, and let's applaud Elton John for for picking up Leon Russell out of the yeah the the dirt and and, and helping him out. You know, I'd like to applaud him right now. Yeah, there we go. Yes, thank you, Elton John. Heck yeah! <laughs> There's so many people in this room right now. <laughs> There's a ton of people. Thank you guys very much. Yeah, but yeah. Sh- please be quiet. be quiet down a little bit. Um, no, th- this was. Uh, thank you again for, for picking this. This is. Yeah. It, it's it's such joy doing this podcast when people pick these because the albums that people pick are their favorite albums, and there are some that I don't get, mm-hmm. like Joni Mitchell. I don't get it. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Yeah, I'm yeah. hoping okay. that sometimes. And I always say, we please explain to me why I need to love this album yeah. or why I need to love this artist, and. I still don't get Joni Mitchell, but that's yeah. to each his own, right? Yeah, yeah, true. But yeah, that I, I, I just I, I love this album. This the unclassified was just so so good. Well, speaking, of, I know we were just talking about like album covers. Yeah. Um, in one of my previous episodes, you know Harmony Kelly. I don't. She plays. Uh, she used to play bass. She's a bass player, and she's played Bob Snyder and then Fastball. Oh, and cool. Now she's playing stadiums with Kenny Chesney. Um, oh, who's he? I, I don't know. She's some country artist, yeah. uh, you know. Anyway, but like her quiz questions, like I imagine that if this is your favorite album when you were a youth, yeah, that you're gonna be sitting there staring at that album and looking at everything on that cover and reading every liner note and reading everything and just obsessing over it. Yeah. And so her quiz questions were all about who was on the cross, where they were. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and another one of her albums was uh, the Traveling Wilburys. Oh, cool. Part one. Yeah. And so I asked her if she knew that I basically gave her a piece of trivia that says, do you know how they got the name, the Traveling Wilburys? She was like, no. And I said, well, George Harrison and, and uh, Jeff Lynn were in the studio and they were having these like these like weird, like electronic weird things. And so George turned to Jeff and said, uh, don't worry, we'll just bury him. So tra- Traveling Wilburys, you know, so that's how uh, they got the name. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. John uh, Robert Randolph, man, this yeah, that guy and with his brothers, talk another brother band. Yeah, uh, let's. Okay, so let's talk about Jimi Hendrix now. 
Oh, now, you, you took this off. You, this was not on your original list, and then you right. put it on there because mm-hmm. I, I told you I wanted to know more about you. Yeah. So one of my favorite albums, but this is one when before we started, I was telling you, like, there's there's some of them that have more of, like, a story tag to them. Uh-huh. And the reason why I, 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 like, it's... it's I can see it in your playing. Yeah. The reason why it's, like, one of my... I may not know everything about it, but I know that it changed my my life and playing and like turned me on to to something great but yeah this Jimi hendrix man i know everyone probably talks about Jimi hendrix all the time but well deserved i mean he is my wife's favorite artist she loved okay by the way um she was very disappointed in you that you didn't know anything about freddie king oh well sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Please forgive me. It was his uh, debut studio album for the Jimi Hendrix Experience. It was released in... I don't know this. 1967. Dang. It was immediate critical and commercial success. Success as wi- widely regarded as one of the greatest albums of all time. Um, it's been ranked by Rolling Stone um, in the top 500 greatest albums. Uh, 30th and I forget what year it was but um, it placed the magazine uh, Rolling Stone placed four songs off the US version of uh, Are You Experienced in the 500 Greatest Songs of All Time that would be Purple Haze Foxy Lady Hey Joe and um, is it hold on wait 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 you said Purple Haze Foxy Lady Hey Joe and was it fire red house i think i think this is the right one. Oh yeah <laughs> uh no it's the wind cries mary the wind cries mary yeah oh, what a great one yeah and so the story goes that um that linda keith who was keith richards girlfriend yeah. at the time i love keith richards um <laughs> Uh, that she she saw him and recommended him to Keith, and so Keith went to uh, his management and said, "Hey, listen, you gotta you gotta look at this guy." They turned him down, and wow. so then she recommended him to Chaz Chandler from the Animals, who ended up producing the album. So he gets him over to London. Chaz gets Noel Redding and Mitch Mitchell with him, and I love this story. Um, after the recording session began, began Chandler turns to Hendrix and says, "Hey, dude, you're you gotta turn your amplifier down." I mean. There was an argument there. I mean, basically, Chandler yeah. commented. He said, "Jimmy threw a tantrum because I wouldn't let him play the guitar loud enough. He was playing Marshall Twin Stack. It was so loud in the studio, we were picking up all various sorts of rattles and noises." And so then Hendrix threatened to leave England, stating, "If I can't play as loud as I want, then I might as well go back to New York." And so Chandler had uh, his immigration papers and his passport in his back pocket, and slapped him on top of the studio, and said, "And said, well, you might as well just go back to New York." And then he told. Hendrix to piss off. So quiz question next yeah. is what was Jimmy's reply to Chandler? Was it A, you piss off, I'm going back to New York, or Hendrix laughed and said, hey, uh, all right, you called my bluff and they got back to work, or C, Jimmy stormed out of the room, did not return till the next day? Mm, probably going to get this wrong, but uh, I'm going to go with B. Is it B? Yes. Nailing it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, it sounds hey, like quiet Jimmy, down though. out there. Quiet down. Yeah, shut up. Be quiet. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, it's funny because um, I picked that because like like his attitude I was all the time. He's like, oh, cool, man. You know. So you know, I believe that rock and roll, and I say this all the time on this podcast. I believe that rock and roll is not a style of music. I believe it's an attitude and yeah. and a and a way of of, of taking yourself. Um. So and the funny thing about this is that. It had already been out for like two and a half months by the time the the first episode, first issue of the Rolling Stone magazine came out. Yeah. Uh, but because he was such a success, you know, that um, John Lando offered to take on his album uh, for the for that first issue. So this is like two, two and a half months later. Uh, he said, despite Jimmy's musical brilliance and the group's total precision, the poor quality of the songs and the inanity of the lyrics too often get in the way. Though he praised the band's instrumental virtuosity, Lando slammed their brash attack, concluding that the sum total of this is pure violence. 
Above all, this record is unrelentingly violent and lyrically and artistically violent at that. Dig it if you can, but for me, I'd rather hear Jimmy play the blues. Disagree. I think that's, I think, yeah, I disagree with that too. Yeah. But this was, this was, I mean, imagine being a, a, a music reviewer. Yeah. You know, you have to come up with something right off the bat. I mean, how many mm-hmm. times you can listen to that record before you make that decision? Right. Of what you're going to write. Yeah, I, you know what, man? Like, I mean, some of his blues stuff is really great, though. Uh, that, uh, that whole album, Blues, my, I played it for my mom one time, and she was like, that's evil. Really? <laughs> that was evil. I mean, she's pretty hardcore, like, yeah, yeah. you know, okay. country. And... Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? But no, man, that, the first, you know, story, funny story, was when I, this is how I got turned on to Jimi Hendrix, which is crazy. Come on, crazy. bring it, bring it on. It was... Oh, can you guess? Like what? It was a movie. Um, Wayne's World. Yep, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Foxy yeah. Lady. Foxy Lady. And I was like, "What is that?" Like the, the guitar, the kind of you know, the sustain and a little bit of the feedback and the I'm like, "Yo!" Like what as a kid, that? I'm like, "What is that?" <laughs> and uh, I love it. Yeah, and so that was the thing. And then I I remember getting, I think my dad probably bought me the album, and. And yeah, I was like, "Oh man, this is so cool!" The distortion, yeah. like all the the licks, like so many riffs, like cool guitar riffs, and I'm like, "This is like, what is this?" You know? And then Mitch Mitchell being like a jazz guy, like you never didn't hear, you just heard like solid kind of pocket things. Yeah. And I never got into the Who with, you know, Keith Moon yeah. doing the craziness, but so I didn't know. I was just hearing like Ringo Starr, Beatles, and, <laughs> you know, like it just really you know, kind of pocketed drumming. And when you hear like Hendrix, you know, Mitch Mitchell was just crazy. Did your dad like the Stones too? Yeah, my dad likes the Stones. Okay. Yeah. So he wasn't one of the fans of the, no. don't let your daughter go out with the Rolling Stones. <laughs> no, no. He was, yeah, he he, he loved it. I mean, he loved the, the Beatles a lot more, but he was a, a Stones fan too. So way, way, way back in the day, I used to work at GSD&M. Yeah. And... There were, I mean, Beatle fans are full on Beatle fans. Yeah, they're they, they love the Beatles and everything, and so there was this contest between. The, there was two guys there that said, uh, you know, I'd like the Beatles more than you, and they said, no, you didn't. So they had this contest. They they basically said, okay, we're each going to make a for all you millennials. There's this thing called a CD out there. Yeah, and so it's what you don't just stream the music anymore. Anyway, they yeah. uh, they, they basically made their best. They had like five judges who mm-hmm. also thought they were huge Beatles fans, and then the 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 person that so those guys voted on which one was best, and the person that lost had to wear a pink fanny pack around the the office for like two weeks. <laughs> I wonder what was on those CDs. Uh, I like don't what know. Songs? But that, that's my whole thing. I had one podcast what I did with this guy Mike G. I don't know if you know him. No. Uh, Jukebox Heroes. He's a massive Stones fan. Yeah. And so I said, okay, listen, we're doing a, but we're going to do an offshoot episode we're basically gonna say we're gonna pick our each of our five uh, our three top stones albums and we're gonna talk about them yeah well luckily we picked the same ones so oh, right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. uh yeah but so um did you know that none of the album tracks were performed live before they were recorded and many were learned and rehearsed just before they were started rolling tape i didn't know that but i believe it here's an example of the song, the other one that you couldn't guess, When Christ Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy had just written it, and they had uh, 20 minutes left in a session, and neither Redding or Mitchell uh, had heard it, so they played it through one time, and Jimmy did like four or five overdubs, and it was done in 20 minutes, and it was their third single on that album. That's crazy, man. I love hearing those stories, because now you don't hear those stories. You know, like we spent five to six seven months even on this one song with 500 writers and producers and and here it is it sounds like a robot have fun with it and it goes to number one the, the again the beautiful thing of you know raw and yeah you know mistakes you know that just in my opinion that has to be be in there so yeah i agree man like that i don't want to hear a robot playing music i don't want to hear like I want to hear the imperfection and the realness and the soul and the pain and the like all yes. of that. And the yes. artists. like, come on, man. I, I even like when like all those albums, like the stones and Zeppelin and Hendrix and, and the Beatles, they all have, have the a fluctuation of, of, 
of tempo. Yeah. Like it just yeah yeah him. totally. And I'm like, dude, that's cool. Like I mean, now it's no a bit track. it's a bit inconvenient now. I mean, we've all gotten used to. Like I know with my albums, I use quick tracks so we too. go back and you know records. I mean, but man, what a what a time! Like it was just you go in there and you you do it and and it, it, I think that's what we've lost somewhere along the way it was like the real rawness the authenticity that just being you know in a room with each other and like you know and and the tempo's fluctuating because you guys are all vibing off each other and it goes a little faster and whatever you know yeah and that's why people that's why they're so they're rock gods and they're iconic is because they let that energy happen you know couldn't agree more yeah couldn't agree more it is it's like the album art i mean the the whole like art of the album you know yeah the the, the fact that that you know i mean like on like i I just gave you our new c i mean we're pressing it on vinyl and it's called honky rock because we've been playing at jenny's little longhorn for like almost 10 years first friday of every month every nice yeah and we i developed a whole honky tonk set so like but now when we play there it's all still rock because we're a rock and roll band anyway when you look at the album art I, i wanted because the, the whole idea behind the album is that you're going to have side A, or excuse me, side H is going to be honky rock, honky tonk, okay. and then flip it over. See now you're see how you're flipping the record around mm-hmm. to read the the back. You have to flip the record over, and on the on the actual record you'll be able to read it read it better. But the yeah. whole idea behind it was to and that and like I want that album art to jump off the the page and, and people see it. Yeah, because same you know? thing. Like you you have to yeah to turn, I like this. This is really cool. Yeah, I, I I designed that with uh, Ginger Lee. I don't know if you know her. It's Keith Richards on it. Yeah, I, well, he is my hero. That's um, cool. Okay, That's so let's get to rumors. Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Now, this yeah. I want to say thank you. I've said thank you multiple times, but this <laughs> I haven't listened to this record in forever. But I used to love this record. That opening track, better uh, was secondhand news. Bam, 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 bam. When I look yeah. at that, that, that I mean, that just goes to show the whole like you know nonsensical words yeah. make a difference. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I love this album. It, it, it's incredible. So it was their, their 11th studio album. It was released in 1977. And it was recorded, I love this, it was recorded in the aftermath of relationship breakups. Yeah, we, we should go into that because I, I love, that's one use, of the things I love. Uh, John and Christine McVie just got divorced, wouldn't talk socially unless it was about music. You know, Here was uh, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. They were in a band. They were fighting all the time, but they got together. The music, it was great. Uh, Mick Fleetwood's uh, wife was banging his best friend. And still, still they created an album that sold over 10 million copies it's wild. in the month of its... After the month month of its release, dude, can you imagine like being in the 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 creative process of all that? It'll be like, oh oh, here's uh, Lindsey Buckingham. I just wrote a song, you know, go your own way. Uh, let's let's come up with some some backing vocals, Stevie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like this song's about me, you yeah. asshole. You know? <laughs> totally right. I mean, it's it's. I just think it's. I and think then it's the make loving fun too, like. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like she was at that time. I think she was like being with one of the roadies or something, and like what a slap in the face, right? He's like, "Oh, here, play bass on this song." <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I mean, it won album of the year at the Grammy Awards in nineteen seventy. Yeah, seventy-seven. It's been certified twenty times platinum in the U.S. So cool. In twenty twenty, Rumors was rated the seventh greatest album of all time um, in Rolling Stone's five hundred greatest albums. And then, yeah. I mean, I don't even need to ask you why you picked this. I mean, Heck this no, is dude. an epic album. Freaking dreams go your own way, uh, like Gold Dust Woman, The Chain. Like, give me that a is probably one of the most covered songs I've, I've yeah. heard. Um, all right, you ready for a quick question? I got two oh, coming back at you back to back, and these are the last two. I'm I'm not ready, but go. All right, you're you're, you're ready. Here we go. Um, what what was the song on this album that reached number one in the U.S.? The other ones, the other three made number ten. But only one made number one. Was it A, Dreams? Was it B, Go Your Own Way? Or C, Don't Stop? Freaking A, dude. I, oh, man. Huh? I want to say, I'm going to say Go Your Own Way. Dang it. It was Dreams. I was going to say it was Dreams, dreams. Too. Christine McVie. Next quiz question. What, did, the, Chris, did she write that song or was it Stevie? Um... I don't know that. I thought it was Christine. 
Okay. This one is probably the hardest one. Okay. The quiz question you're going to have tonight. Um, what was the working title of this 1977 recording success? Was it A, Yesterday's Gone, B, Small Talk, or C, Secondhand News? Crap. Um, it's a line from one of the songs. I'm I'm just I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, secondhand news. Dang it! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rap, dude. T- Don't stop <laughs> thinking about tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's, Yesterday's gone. gone. No. Um, yeah. Yesterday. So, <laughs> go, go, back to the go beginning. Back to the Beatles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, <clears throat> you know, when I look at this album. When I listen to it, it th- there's not a bad song on it. Oh there's, no, they're all completely. I mean, tell me another album that has this. The only one I can Dude. even say is, and I didn't even pick it on my top five, but Wilco Sky Blue Sky. I don't know if mm. you listen to that, but oh, that, yeah. it, it, that that has almost every. But there's still some songs I'm like, ah. Yeah. This album is like uh, every, iconic. Every, yeah, it's freaking iconic. And uh, one thing I love when I was listening back to it, I'm like. The drum sound, like on this, is just so freaking good. Like I was listening, especially like that that dreams. Like, I'm like, oh my god, that's so good. Um, and what's funny, I have a story about playing that song with an an artist. I was playing bass with her, and I I was as an artist by the name of Jenna McDaniel. She's a country artist. She's in Nashville now, but she was here, uh, and we're playing all over the place um and i remember her her uh the drummer she had a guy named justin cognito the, i mean what kind of a last name is that it's not his last name but oh. but that would be cooler if well it was. actually my guitarist's last name is case beer case beer yeah c-a-s-e-b-e-r that's rock and roll dude but we we played that we were playing that song so i got the gig as a bass player so when I first got here, and I was like, I wasn't really pursuing, like Joe James was just a, kind right. of a side guy, okay, you know, uh, and I had my own songs, and I wrote for a lot of people, and I did some session work, and I, you know, went on the road with folks. Uh, so I was with her. I was on the road with her, and I remember uh, we had our first gig. We jumped on the road, jumped into the Sprinter. We went to the place. We started playing Dreams. Uh, we didn't have any rehearsal because she hired guys and hired yeah. guns. You know, we we just jump up there. And we learn that we learn the songs. Uh, and so I I learned dreams. And there's that part where the bass player, you know, on that second verse, mm-hmm. uh, wrapped around, you know, yeah, like and hits it kind of with the drums a little bit. That kind of uh, rhythm section hit. No one ever did that, I guess. And when I did it, the drummer was like. What? Oh my gosh! Like you did it, dude! Like no one ever does that. And then he told Jenny, he was like, "Keep this guy." Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons I love it. Another reason I love this album is it's because it's the first first album my wife ever bought for me. Really? Yeah. And she was like, "Hey, I was at this vintage store and like I bought you this album." And I was like, "I love Fleetwood Mac. I love this album." And it was like the first vinyl she ever bought me. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's that's a really cool story. So it has that you know um, emotional kind of tie to it as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I totally remember listening to this album yeah, when sorry. I was younger. Um, so in a rest retrospective review, the All Music editor gave Rumors five stars and noted that regardless of the voyeuristic element, the record was unpar- an unparalleled blockbuster because of the music quality. He concluded that each tune, each phrase regains its raw, immediate emotional power, which is why Rumors touched a nerve upon its 1977 release and since it's transited, transcended its air to be one of the greatest, most compelling pop albums of all time. Man. I'll take that review too, please. Yep, yep, please. Send it this way. <laughs> Slant Magazine said Fleetwood Mac drew on romantic dysfunction and personal turmoil to create a timeless five-star record. Andy Gill, the independent, claimed it represents alongside, I love this one, represents alongside with the Eagles' greatest hits, a high watermark of America's 70s rock culture expansion mm. with the quintessential of a counterculture mindset lured into coke-fueled hedonism. 
Wow. Why doesn't anybody write? I have I have reviews on my albums, but geez, <laughs> they're like poets. Right? Uh, here's you know here's I mean? one more. Stylist magazine. Wrote, what dis- distinguishes rumors? What makes it art is the contradiction between its cheerful surface and its anguished heart. Here is a radio friendly record about anger, re- recrimination, and loss. Wow. Yeah, what a great record, man! It's I, it's so good. I'm gonna listen to it on my way home. <laughs> I mean, why would you not? I mean, well, that, yeah. Why yeah. would I not, dude? It's it's so, it, it's so good. It's so beautiful, yeah. And I've I'm I have this musical crush on 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 Stevie Nicks too. Like I just I love her her writing. She's very, like her her she writes poetry and then kind of forms it into like lyrics. Yeah, and f- makes it fit to a song. But like she's those lyrics are just they're so good you know they really are you know and i mean just so you know my wife loves Jimi hendrix so she she gave you two props yeah Jimi hendrix and fleetwood mac okay cool. um she has a picture almost the size of this of, of stevie nicks in her office and oh really yeah yeah then i give her props <laughs> she loves stevie nicks. Oh, she can too. Sing. anyway well hey listen this was a blast yeah man thank, thank you, you for coming over here and doing this uh you got any good shows coming up or anything yeah so i have a show um at the end of the month october 21st we're gonna be at skylark uh doing a double bill with um curtis lee nice. curtis lee is a lot of fun always has great musicians too like yeah i'm backing him yeah um and yeah so it'll be him and i on the on the bill um It'll be a really fun night. And if you haven't been to Skylark, it's just a cool Love little place. blues just dive bar. Dive E. But man, they you know, they pack it out. We we usually pack it out and, and you know, and people just have a good time. It just reminds me of that just, you know, old time just dancing, sweaty blues bar, just you know, just laying it all on the stage. Like yeah. I know, love that the, place. One of the things that I love about Chicago it starts at nine PM. Okay. Nine PM. What was the date? The date again? Uh, October twenty first. And what was uh, so? One of the things I love about Chicago, yeah, is that they have actual blues bars. We don't have anything like the, the, the Skylark is probably the closest thing yeah. in Austin. But when you go to Chicago, you can go to a bar and you can listen to hardcore blues. That's cool. And you know, I I wrote a song called Chicago, and I mentioned the fact that there's you know these blues bars. So any, yeah. anyway, well, that, I mean that, that like Skylark in an old gospel church in the middle of nowhere is, is who I am. You know, it's, it is my music. It's my sound. Like I always tell people, like if you describe your sound, it's being in an old gritty blues bar, um, on a Saturday night, just playing and, and, and drinking your, your pain away, waking up the next morning, morning on a Sunday and, and finding, you know, salvation. There you go. You know, and, that, that. and that's, that's who I am as a, as a person and also uh that's my that's what my music reflects as well and the next album when i'm working on a new album uh is going to really reflect my story of that but also the music is going to tie into that type of sound love it love it so i'm excited we're we're uh working on great writing yeah i know it sucks (laughs) man um it does suck sometimes. It does, no, uh, no doubt about but that. But there's a lot of. I'm learning to to lean into the good. Like, yeah, there's there's some really uh, crappy things in life, but man, I I have a lot to be thankful for. The know? way I look at it is, if it sucks and you don't like doing it anymore, stop doing it. Yeah, if it's exactly. not fun, stop. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's always gonna be ups and downs. But, but luckily, but... it's still fun. Thank thank the Lord, it's still fun, man. <laughs> right on. Okay, so where can people find you? I think they can find you on. I mean, it's Joe James Music, and that's J O mm-hmm. James. Mm-hmm. Um, on that's your website, that's your Instagram handle, and yep. your Facebook handle, right? Yep, yeah. exactly. Yep. So those are the the three places. I mean, I mean, we're on Twitter and 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 YouTube. You just search Joe James, you can find yeah. it there. But yeah. Joe James music uh, that has my, my online store and all of that stuff that you can, you know, support a local artist. There you go. Uh, I would say starving artists, but like we're not starving. <laughs> okay. Say starving. Oh, I'm so starving. I'm so, I can't even eat. I can't uh, even eat. Right well, now. Hey man, thank you for coming out today. I really, really appreciate it. this. Oh, thank super you, man. Fun. Thank you. Uh, I hope you got something out of it. I hope you, I hope yeah, you this is cool. S- 
got like got to go back and listen. Yeah, and, and I, I got to relive. It. Yeah, like I mean, the prior to this, like I remember you telling me, like listen to listen to the albums, go back, and I mean, it really uh, makes a difference. It makes a difference, but it, it was just like thank you for that because I mean, I relived a lot of of those moments, not just the the greatness of the albums, but like like why why I loved them in the moment, like or in the, the those those little pockets of time that were like you know when I. I went to Brian's bookstore, found Robert Randolph or yeah. what the Beatles meant to me and the family and my wife giving me the Fleetwood Mac thing. Like I, all those memories were just, I was going down memory lane. So it was, that was, it was awesome. So awesome. thank you, man. All right, brother. Well, um, thanks again for coming out. Yeah, man. All right, guys, we're out here. Oh, by the way, sorry, the rain came when we started talking about rumors. I don't know why. Maybe that's saying Stevie something. Nicks, dude. Hold on. I got a really quick story about Stevie Nicks. So my, uh, my mom and dad, my parents went and went to the first Cal Jam. Okay. And they, they, of course, it was a festival. Had a bunch of, uh, you know, artists. Well, Fleetwood Mac was one of the 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 bands. So they come in, right when they go on stage. There's a storm that that came through. Okay. Like wind blowing, and she comes on stage with her black black dress, just like flowing blowing there. and flowing, and the and and people were just like. If the sound went out, just looking at them was just like <laughs> she was hot, man. There, she it, still there, is. It was so captivating. So yeah, I I always love that story. My mom tells me about it. Like she just walked out, and like the the storm came as they were walking on stage. It's almost oh, like they so cool. they ordered the storm. You know, <laughs> kind of like Prince at the Super Bowl. He was like, I'm gonna make it look like I paid for this to happen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All right. So cool. Well, thanks again, brother. I uh, appreciate you, it. Man. All right. Adios, dude. That was a blast. I loved that conversation. I love how everyone gets a little tad nervous about the quiz questions. But hey, that's what it is. Many thanks, many, many thanks to all those who are still listening. Now you can find Joe on the good old interweb. Pretty much Joe James Music anywhere you want. So it's going to be Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that stuff. And if you got the gumption, head over to TheBigGunShow.com and head out what, check out what my band is up to these days. You can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube with a handle of The Big Gun Show Band. That's the the beginning, band at the end. Our most con, uh, consistent gig is going to be our monthly residency at the Little Longhorn Saloon here in Austin, home of Chicken Shit Bingo. We play the happy hour on the first Friday of every month. You should definitely bring Grandma. She'll have a blast. Now close your eyes. You're in the afterlife again. What five records do you have? To make time. it through I think it's love